Hey there, welcome to Cereal with Friends, a simple show where you can hang out with me and my friends as we eat a bowl of cereal and talk about how messy and also how wonderful growing up can be. I'm Ashley, and this week we're hanging out with Katie. You may remember her from the Squadcast that we did back in January, and we are so excited to have her back on the show. This is actually a conversation that is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, It started off as me just interviewing Katie, but I don't know, we took a detour and somehow it ended up being a much needed counseling session for me. We talk about exploring sadness, about allowing yourself to feel pain and really learn from it. And uh, you guys, Katie offers so much grace and insight into these topics and really just brings a Jesus-centric perspective to it all. So I hope that y'all find this episode as comforting and as helpful as it was for me. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram at Serial with Friends. Okay, let's catch up with Katie. Well, welcome back to the show. Hi. (laughs) We are here with Katie today. You are returning from Brittany's episode, the Squad squad cast. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're just hanging out with our box of Cheerios. And Alfie. (laughs) Alfie's like right by the mic and he's looking lovingly at Katie. He loves me. Yeah. Who wouldn't? We're so full from dinner. We just decided to eat one Cheerio. Singular Cheerio. All right. <laughs> Would you like a heart or O-shaped? I definitely want a heart. Let me find one. That's mostly, oh. it looks like it should be a heart, oh. but it's a little deformed. It has personality. I like it. Cheers. Let me see your heart. Cheers to our Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> and now Alfie gets mm. three because he's a good dog. He's like, and, and one more. Wait, what shape did you give him? He got two hearts in a circle. Wow. Or a whatever. An O. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I don't know why that was so a complicated. An O. What is the shape? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to call it. It's a Cheerio. Like, that's what it's yeah. supposed to be. Just a normal one. Alfie, you got two hearts? You got all the love. All the love. Okay. Please don't knock over anybody's coffee with your cute booty. Um, How's life been? So good. I feel like this is one of those like reunion episodes where you're like, so since the show, yeah, how I'm has like- your life changed? <laughs> like my life has changed significantly. Not really. It's actually the exact same as it was before. In the past three months. I know. So much has happened. Was that three months ago? Well, let's see. It was it was my birthday weekend. I remember that. And I was my I was born. <laughs> I came into oh, the world no. on okay. December the 14th. <laughs> Of 1991. So that does mean, yeah. It was, How is it possible that it's March? Two and a half months ago. Wow, that's crazy. So yeah. how's life been for two and a half months? It has been so good. I don't think, I I don't think I've seen you in person since then. I don't think I've seen you in person oh, either. Sadness, we talk. We talk. We yeah. talk, but I have not seen you. No. Oh, this is lovely. This is like a reunion show. <laughs> <It is. laughs> Um, I, I really only say that because we just watched the women tell all for the bachelor, which is the most <laughs> disturbing 
series of life anyway but they're all like oh it's a reunion of all your favorite contestants on the bachelor and we're like do we even like you no, no not really not but really we'll watch the drama the the two or three times i kept up consistently with the bachelor and bachelorette i always skip the tell-all episode really yeah it's just filled with all the people you love to hate <laughs> Super i was fun. like nothing's <laughs> happening they're just like gossiping and bashing each other they're yeah. just complaining about what they tried to complain about however many months ago right and then the good ones are just trying to be like pick me next yeah. like i would be such I a, would great be a great choice. bachelorette <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is my formal audition so something that we talked about wanting to discuss was like relationships and identity. Um, so what are some of the most influential relationships in your life? I think every person who's come into my life is influential to me. Um, I like getting other people's perspectives. I like getting to know people. I like knowing as much as I can to decide who I am and, and what I believe in. And But if I had to pick three people, it would be the squad. Y'all know the squad. They've made my life completely take like a 180 as mm-hmm. far as who I was when I met them versus who I am now. Um, I know how to better talk to people who are different than me um, and also just know how to put people first better than yeah. I did before. Because I think before I cared so much about not losing a friend mm-hmm. and now it's kind of like I don't want to lose who they are as a person. Right. So I want to hold them accountable too those things. So that's completely influenced how I approach relationships now. Mm, Yeah. I think for me, it's, I have very close friends, but I do notice that my friends seem to cycle out of my life. Like I'll be close friends with somebody for like five years and then they cycle out. Um, And what I realized is that doesn't necessarily mean that we weren't close or that that doesn't mean that they weren't important to me. It's just, they were good friends with me for that season and the seasons changed and we both changed. Absolutely. I have a group of friends, which I will call them my volleyball friends because Mm -hmm. there was a part of my life, like maybe three years ago where volleyball was all I did. And there was a point about maybe a year and a half ago where I realized they just weren't, they weren't growing with me Mm. and I kind of grew out of that friend group. So it's totally normal and encouraged if you grow up to let go of those people who might be holding you back to something that you don't really, not necessarily don't want to be, because they're not bad people. I still love them. I still talk to them all the time. Yeah. Um, But they're just not really a part of the main course of my life anymore. Right. That's good to remember. That's very comforting. (laughs) Um, So as you kind of think about relationships and people that have kind of passed in and out of your life, what are some messages maybe about who you are? Um, that these relationships sent you? So I think if anybody knows me, they know that my whole motto for life is to care more about the person than you do the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was younger, I would work very hard to, I mean, I did this with Brittany for a long time, even just, you know, I don't want to lose her as a friend. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut yeah. on whatever the conflict or whatever the case was. And I've kind of realized in the last, I'd say three or four years, just that's not a way to live. I need to care more about that person, no matter if that's going to mean hurting them initially, like hopefully they can look back and be like, oh, she really was just caring about me. Hmm. And even if they don't feel that right now, I have to be okay with losing them as a friend Yeah. in order to hopefully better them. Yeah. That's a very selfless way to love others. 
And it's kind of, it can be tough love, mm-hmm. but yeah. I've lost a lot of friends that way. And it hurts, obviously, because you love them so much, sure. but it's also kind of like, okay, well, I don't love them enough to not bring up the things yeah. that they're struggling with just because I don't want to lose their presence in my life. Mm. But I just knew like, okay, what I'm going to say is going to hurt you probably. And I hope that you'll look at it with an open mind that I'm saying this because I want you to be the best version of yourself. Mm. And if you can't accept that, then that's fine. But I can't hold back just because I'm worried I might lose you. Yeah. You're more important than that to me. Mm. Even if it hurts me for a little while. Yeah. That's good. I'm just processing. (laughs) (laughs) Katie, you're so wise. (laughs) Thank you. Um, so also in thinking about your relationships, how do you feel like they made you view yourself? Oh, that's actually a really weighted, like heavy question. Yeah. I, in the last squad cast was described as the fighter. Mm. Um, I have gone through life fighting for everything that I have, but in that same way, I take on people's burdens a Mm. lot because of that. Like, I want to fight battles for the people around me so they don't have to. Mm. Um, Or, you know, there's a few people in my life right now that are just, like, struggling. And I want to be their person. And I can't be their person, but I want to be their person. Yeah. Because I know how much love I have to give. How have you – because that's something I do, too. How have you learned to, like, let go of those burdens? Like, how do you cut them loose? I know it's easier said than done. Like, what have some? What have you tried that's worked, Katie? Because I, I don't know if I know how to do that. Um, I think it's just being open and honest about it. Like, it really is just being like, okay, I can. I want to take your burden for this very moment because I see that you're struggling. But then once that conversation is over, and they've given it all to me, just saying, okay, it's gone. Hmm. Maybe it isn't fixed yet. Maybe it's something we're still kind of dealing with, but we, I can't hold that because it's not fair to me to do that for you. And it's not mine to carry. Hmm. So a lot of it is just being like, all right, we're going to pray about this. Whatever the burden is you just gave me, I'm going to pray over you to release it from you and give it to God. I mean, everything goes back to Jesus at the end of the day. He's where my strength comes from. He's the reason why I could carry even a part of that burden on myself and now I have to trust that he's going to take care of it because I asked him to in whatever way he he sees fit you Mm -hmm. know and it might the burden that I'm carrying might feel like okay this is what's going to fix it but it might be the total opposite of what I thought would fix it yeah and you have to be kind of okay with that and that's a crappy answer because I hate hearing that when people tell me but it really is like it's not up to you yeah. You can do everything you can to make it go the way you want to. It's still going to end up being part of his divine intervention, you know? That's something I I find helpful for the moment. <laughs> it doesn't last <laughs> yeah. long, but just to remind myself like, okay, God is still in control. None mm-hmm. of this, none of what's happening has surprised him. He knew all of this was going to happen. Yeah. He still has a plan. His plan is not derailed by what I think is complete chaos, you know? 
And yes. so just remembering like, okay, he's got this. He does not need, need me to take care of this, you know? And so. And that's honestly such a like uplifting statement to me. Yeah. It sounds like a negative, but it's seriously a positive. Like it he, you. he chose to put me in his story and he didn't have to. Like, who am I? You know, I am nothing but a little speck on this earth, but he decides to call me out by name and invite me to the table. Yeah. And that's so cool to me. Like, I, and I don't, you know, I'm open about my faith if people ask, but I'm not like the front Bible leading, Bible study yeah. leading Christian, you know? <laughs> when I was um, a senior in high school, we had our like small group leader. Yeah. And I never forgot these words. She said it one time. I've never forgotten it. And it was live your life in such a way that those who don't know Jesus come to know Jesus because they know who you are. Hmm. And I I think that's huge. That's been like a huge imprint on my heart forever. Sure. And I'm not perfect. And I cuss a little and (laughs) I drink when I want to. I do too, Katie. I do too. (laughs) I'm not. I'm definitely not like the person you look to for godly advice but i'd like well in some ah yeah like (laughs) okay we had a lovely conversation i got lots of great godly advice from you (laughs) but i just i I guess i'm just not the typical person that you would think to ask for godly advice Uh, if that makes sense i i understand what you're saying but then i also look at all the characters in the bible and i'm like I'm going to say this and I hope this doesn't sound insulting, but like there are characters in the Bible that people wouldn't have thought, oh, this is God's chosen person, like Rahab the prostitute or Moses with a stutter, you know? So I'm like, no, Katie, you are exactly, (laughs) you are exactly. You know, we've talked about like Jesus rides the subway. Yeah, actually, we have not talked about that. What? No, I'm just like, yeah, sure. There's a song called (laughs) Jesus Rides the Subway. I have no idea who wrote it. I guess I'm going to have to make you listen to it now. (laughs) Jesus Rides the Subway. I'm (laughs) going to listen to that at some point soon. Yes. So I guess kind of in talking about how we view ourselves and even just how we view ourselves as Christians, what would you say are some identities that you've tried to take on in the past? Why? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Whatever best fit. I used to call myself a chameleon. Part of me still does. Like, I feel like you're saying what I would say. Uh, no, I know you do because yeah. we've had this conversation <laughs> oh, okay. without <laughs> recording. <laughs> so I get it. But no, and, and the part of me still does. Like a, a big part of sales is being socially and socially aware and in sales, you have to know who you're talking to and you have to meet the tone and pace of that person. Sure. Um, so as far as identities go, you want to identify with the people around you, mm-hmm. which kind of made me a chameleon. In my personal life, I feel like I've gotten way better about not doing that and yeah. just being myself. Um, but three years ago, I... I was whoever the person across from me needed me to be for them. Hmm. And now I'm just kind of like, I'm myself. And if you like me, that's great. And if you don't, you can walk out the door. I'm cool with that. What kind of toll did you find that took on you when you were being the chameleon for everybody? A lack of knowing who I was. Hmm. You know, every day. Well, one, because you... Even if your intentions aren't to be two-faced, it comes off that way. Yeah. Because you say one thing to one person 
or act a certain way with this group of people, act a certain way with this group of people. And a lot of it's just, I'm pretty extroverted. So I can kind of make myself fit into whoever is around me. Right. But I need to be genuine and yeah. authentic. Um, and I wasn't being that. That's something I've struggled with in the past. And I haven't, I haven't heard that feedback recently, but <laughs> I would have people come to me and they'd be like, I just feel like you're two different people. Like there's Ashley one-on-one and then there's Ashley in a big group. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, they're both me. They're yeah. both authentic to me. It's just like ice and water. It's the same thing. They're just different forms of the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I kind of had to wrestle through whether I was being inauthentic or whether I was just socially, socially adapting. I think every person struggles with that to some degree. Yeah. I mean, it all comes down to intentions. Mm -hmm. Is your intention to come off as somebody that you're not in order to fit in with a group of people? Or is your intention to make everybody feel comfortable? Mm -hmm. Which both could be a negative. But I struggle with this because part of it is like you want to make people feel comfortable so that you're approachable and they feel comfortable talking to you. Right. And the other part of me is like, it's not your job to make them feel comfortable. Yeah, I know. So (laughs) like, I don't know. So I kind of contradict myself, but ultimately like the, the goal, like I have, I have a friend, Dan, who described it to me one way, one time, just saying that I have like a very good ability of making everybody feel present. Mm in the group of people that we're hanging out with. Yeah. Which was like the divine com- compliment I could have ever gotten. Like, yes, thank you. Cause I don't ever feel that way. Yeah. Um, but my life word is intentionality. So that was the goal I was trying to go for. So it wasn't so much feel- making people feel comfortable, making them feel present and a part of the conversation, yeah. I guess is a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. So this is something I'm kind of curious in now. Do you feel like you yourself fit in? No, never. I know. That's, yeah, that's me too. Because I feel like I know who I am so much so now Mm -hmm. that it's like, I know that I'm different and I've, I've become okay with that. Mm -hmm. But with that comes, like you were talking about the cycling friendships. I'm so self-aware of myself and what I want that I almost don't prioritize keeping friends around who aren't willing to help me grow. So no, I don't ever feel like I fit in anywhere. I actually feel like I'm the outcast everywhere and that I'm almost trying to let other people feel present so that I can. I relate to that. I, yeah, I don't feel like I ever really fit in anywhere either. And it's almost like, I feel like I am kind of the influential friend in the group. I can be a leader. And so I can sort of set the tone. Like I'll walk into a room and I'm like, I can create this room so that I fit in here. Yep. I can set the conversation topics so that I can talk about things that'll be fun and make me feel <laughs> like feel included. Yeah. And so I, I don't think I deliberately make that decision of, okay, I'm going to go in and create this safe space for me. I'm like, oh, we're just going to talk and have fun. But I think very often I'm making very intentional choices. Like if people are talking about sports, I'm like, let's divert the conversation (laughs) to something I know better (laughs) so that I feel included, you know? I think that's fair. To a certain degree, everybody does that. That's true. 
And honestly, I've, I've kind of found peace in the idea that I'm different because how boring would it be if every single one of us were the exact same person? I, I have a lot of pride in being unique and I actually get very offended when people try to make me feel like, oh, you're just like everybody else. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> I am special. You are a liar. <laughs> I am nothing like that person. I don't want to be everybody else. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there is so much complexity to who I am. And so it hurts when people miss that and just see me as one note. You know? Yep, I get it. <laughs> it's the cup in my room. Yeah. If anybody has ever listened to this podcast, like, no, I'm terrified of people only seeing the minute things that don't matter to me Yeah, because there's so many things that I'm passionate about. Does what do you sense? feel like are some common misconceptions people have about you? So I really don't have like a huge personal life. So everything that I have to say is about work. So I apologize. That's okay. That's an Enneagram three for you. Personal to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I I know that I can come off as a know it all mm. because I I have answers to everybody's questions, <laughs> and that can be well, like people can take that well, or people can absolutely hate that about you. Mm. Um. I think another thing, because I'm 23, I think I'm expected to make mistakes, which is really irritating to me. Oh. They're like, oh, you're young. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, and I'm ha- I have the same job as you. Like, yeah. I, I'm, you know, and not right. to say that, and like, I, I know I always come off prideful. Yeah. Because of how far I've come. Mm-hmm. But it's not so much that. Like, I really am very humble. Right. You know, and right now we're talking about me because what I'm here for but typically speaking this is not anything I would ever say out loud because it doesn't come up in conversation sure um I can be a lot are you okay what is your policy on your policy what is your (laughs) what is your stance what what are your opinions about like competition I'm very competitive but more so in like a I want an even playing field okay and if I lose it's okay but I want to know that I worked my butt off even just to get second place I gotcha. Like, I'm almost okay with being second place because then I know I have something else to strive for. Yeah. Being first place is fun for a second, yeah. but then you're like, all right, well, what do I do now? Yeah. I'm already in first I'm place. sit back on my... Yeah. I would say I'm competitive. I'm not cutthroat in my c- competitiveness, um, but I hate coming in last place. Like, I can come in any other place, but it really bothers me to be like the worst one in the group (laughs) when it comes to games and competitions and stuff like that I'm like well I can lose if people are still going to respect me but if I lose and I feel like people's view of me has changed then I'm not okay with that well that's really hard to hear because I I think you're such a great person well thank you (laughs) I do this to myself I know (laughs) because I I often do the same thing but I've changed my mindset a lot because I don't necessarily want to be the first, but I want to run with the best. That's what drives me now. Sure. So I get it. Mm-hmm. But I will say there's hope for you because I grew out of that. So hey, <laughs> you do too. Working on it. <laughs> I believe in you. Because really, honestly, you're, you are a pace setter. I don't know a whole lot of people that know you, but out of the people that I do know that know you, they all speak very highly of you. Oh. This is going to sound like a negative positive. 
So I apologize, but it's kind of like, yeah, you are a lot, but you're a lot and we love you for it. And like, I don't want you to take it as like, oh my God, I'm too much because you're not too much. You're just enough for the people that you have in your life. And that's why they're there. So I would hope that you would kind of hold on to that and be like, you know what? I am running with the best because I am the best. Yeah. And people not being like you does not mean that you're not enough or not good enough or not what people want you to be. Because if they want you to be something different, they really shouldn't be in your life anyway. Yeah. Hey friends, just a quick break to ask a simple favor. This is a new podcast and we're trying to branch out and make even more friends. Something you can do to help us is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell people what you think of the show. Another way you can help is to share your favorite episodes with your friends and spread the word. Or follow us on Instagram at Serial with Friends and share our posts to your story. We'd love for your friends to become our new friends. Thanks, guys. And now, back to the show. That is something that I've kind of been thinking about is just sort of like, I like who I am. I just realize that sometimes who I am drives other people, not drives other people away, but can intimidate people. And But I'm like, you know, I, I, I like who I am enough to not want to change. So but, if I intimidate people, okay. Like, that's all right. Yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of it too is like you're you can be who you are and speak differently to somebody to connect with them still, mm-hmm. which is something I'm currently learning. Yeah. And I know you read, so you should read the book Multipliers. Because oh, you've told me about this. Yes, it's so good. It's made me painfully aware of how I shut people down on accident. Yeah. Because they talk about something called an accidental diminisher. One of the characteristics is being an always on person, which is somebody that I am. Uh. And I, I would consider you to be an always on person too. Oh, yeah, probably. And how, sure. <laughs> and how yes, it, probably definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. So, um, there's two ways that people can respond to that. They're either like, she's so encouraging and she always believes in me and it's awesome. Or somebody who's like, yeah, I can't deal with all your positivity. I'm just going to go be negative over there. Yeah. Like there's really no in between. So it's kind of finding out like, okay, how can I ask better questions versus just being the answer person Mm -hmm. to make everybody feel comfortable. Right. I'm like, let's fix things. Yes. (laughs) That was the same. Vividly. I remember one of the things (laughs) that was said during a breakup to me was you never just let me be sad. I was like, (laughs) I'm sorry, that's something you wanted? I, I thought I was trying to help you. <laughs> you know what, though? I am one of those people because I am I am painfully encouraging, mm. but I also have the two hours in my room that I can listen to sad music and yeah. cry and be un- uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a word. Okay. I just, like, really just <laughs> did not flow the way that I thought it was. Oh, wait a minute. side of me is like okay you need to overcome that by just being overly excited about everything Uh, you do but like you're allowed to be sad and there's power in being sad Mm -hmm. because I think that those like sad moments sometimes can be the most crucial to your self-evaluations oh yeah I have a very complicated relationship with sadness I used to think I was like I openly I cry I don't I don't care crying feels nice and I was like that means I'm okay with being sad (laughs) because I I enjoy a good cry but I have realized that I don't sit in my pain long enough to let it teach me. And someone told me mm. that pain is one of the best instructors. Mm-hmm. Like it teaches us 
what not to do <laughs> um, and what hurts and what to avoid. And so because I tend to just have a good cry and move on, I don't let it teach me. Mm. And so I'm really trying to feel my pain more Why now. do you think that is? What? What are you asking? Why do you think that you don't allow yourself to sit in that pain? Oh, I was talking with Jake and Josh about this. So this is the illustration that I gave them. Great. I love it. <laughs> I'm ready. I feel like for me, the concept of pain, like I don't want to like plumb the depths because to me, it's like this cave with lots of different tunnels that are all like windy and twisty and some of them go underwater and there's stuff down there that I don't even know. <laughs> like there is, there are monsters lurking <laughs> and there's stuff growing from the walls. Like it is a cave down there. The one that you don't send divers down because they'll get lost in there. Yeah. And I'm reading this book. I just, well, I say I'm reading this book. I don't want to read this book. It's called Try Softer Instead of Try Harder. Mm, yikes. It's all about like being gentle with yourself. And anyway. It sounds terrible. Yes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to the author of said book. If you're <laughs> listening, I didn't mean it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I feel like this book and people in my life have been encouraging me. No, no. You need to feel your pain and let it teach you. And I'm just like, but I don't want to go down into that cave mm. because that is scary. And I don't know what I'm going to find. And I'm also very afraid of getting stuck down there and not being able to get back to the light and to the air and being able to breathe. But I just, I worry that if I go too deep into just feeling pain, I'm not going to be able to get out of it. And I know logically it would be good for me to do that. And I know logically like Christ can pull me back up. But just like the emotional leap and the, the courage that it takes to go down into those dark, scary tunnels is terrifying. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'll just stand on the edge and see what I can see <laughs> from here. And so, I yeah. I would argue that I sometimes put myself in those dark places with monsters and the things growing from the side of the walls. Yeah. And I almost lived there for a while. You're like, have you seen Lord of the Rings? <laughs> I have. <laughs> Smeagol. Oh, my Lord. Gollum. No. Nope. Sorry, that's what came to mind. <laughs> no, it's okay. But I really do. Like, I struggle with depression. I struggle with anxiety. So a lot of times, like, I almost end up there accidentally. Like, you're talking about this cave. Like, I went down the wrong <laughs> wrong little tunnel yeah. and it ended it I ended up in this place with the monsters and the things growing from the walls yeah and then I kind of like it there hmm. which is terrible and scary and I don't always talk about that there's a little demon that lives inside my head I always talk about it like that like that it's just telling me like hey your life is pretty terrible you should just hang out down here with all the other terrible things you know mm, yeah. um and I've kind of become almost comfortable there which is scary because I have to really find things that don't allow me to stay there. Yeah. Like that give me purpose to come out of it. Sure. And I don't think most people understand that about me because I do come off as this like encouraging and happy person. Strong. Yeah. yeah. And I and I like being that person for people. Right. But I don't always have that person for me. Yeah. And I've become a little bit more self-reliant to get myself out of it. You know, mm -hmm. I relied on boys and parents and oh, Brittany to get me out of it for I so long. Too. I think we all do. Yeah. Um, but there was like a, just a time where I would have been okay with everything just being over with and me not having to deal with growing up and 
yeah, my life ends now. Like I lived a good life. But then you just kind of have to find things that are like, okay, this dark place is, is fine. And it's okay to feel the things that I'm feeling. But I also need to find things that make me realize that that dark place isn't the only place I can be. Yeah. Just to keep with your metaphor, I can go down different tunnels that'll bring me back to the light where it's sunny and there's sunflowers and grass and yeah everywhere else and it's okay to be there too but there's Mm -hmm. just got to be different you're you have to be okay with being in those different places yeah sorry that was really dark but no I appreciated that because I think that taps exactly into my fear of Mm -hmm. like well what if I get stuck down there and I can't get out you know so allowing yourself to feel things is super important Because eventually, if you, and that's what I'm most scared of, is avoiding that place for so long that I get there one time and everything's just so heavy that I can't get back out. And it's because I didn't just go and visit every once in a while and explore the sadness. But if I don't do that, then I get stuck there for a much longer time, Hmm. which is my biggest fear of, of just eventually letting it all pile up so much that there's an anchor. Yeah. And I'm never able to get out. So I get it. Mm-hmm. I relate. And I know, like, I've said this several times, but logically, I know, like, at the end of the day, I know who I am and I know whose I am. And that rescues me from anything. Yeah. But it's still emotionally very scary and hard. So, and I think it's supposed to be. Yeah. Being sad is okay. There's strength that comes from feeling all of those emotions. You've seen Inside Out, right? I have not. Oh, Katie. <laughs> okay, so. Um, I know it's where all the like little guys are all the different emotions, but I've never actually watched it. Sometime I will listen to Jesus on the subway. What's it called? Jesus Rides, Jesus the, subway. rides the Subway. <laughs> and you actually, we should have a movie night. We, we will watch do. Inside Out. Okay. With a bottle I've heard of wine. It's great. Perfect. <laughs> My <But> favorite. <laughs> I, the, here's, here's why. Like, it's cute and it's funny. But. The whole point of that movie is talking about how sadness can be good because they spend a spoiler. They spend a majority (laughs) of the movie trying to make the sadness emotion feel like she's wrong. She shouldn't be there. Like, why are you always ruining everything and making everyone feel so sad? But by the end of the movie, they realize how important she is and how they needed to feel sad. And it's like, oh my goodness. So (laughs) I'm already crying. I know. It's fine. So we need to watch that (laughs) at some point in time. So anyway, I'm sorry. You were saying it's good to feel sad. It is good to feel sad because like you said, sadness is important. Yeah. And I've never seen the movie, but I relate to the idea that like, I would not be who I am today if I had ignored all the sadness in my life. Hmm. And a lot of that, like I, I keep saying sadness, like I've just lived this miserable life. So much of it is just the depression and anxiety. And before I started taking like the medicine for it and everything, it was so much darker. Hmm. Like it almost was like all I had for light was a nightlight, but I couldn't find the sun. I couldn't find a a real flashlight. Like I just got that dim little moon on the side of the wall, you know, um, to just light, light it enough to where I didn't give up completely on finding where I was going. Sure. I am approachable. And relatable in certain ways is because I allowed myself to be in that dark place long enough to learn how great my life was outside of those dark thoughts. Mm -hmm. I was visiting recently with someone about 
like themes that sort of resonate with us from the Bible. But I think a lot of the reason why. And so he was talking about how like grace and forgiveness always sort of stands out to him. And I was thinking about it and I realized like, I really am drawn to stories of like suffering and tragedy in the Bible. Like I love Joseph because he started off in this high place and his brother sold him into slavery. And then he thrived in his master's house, but he was falsely accused of adultery. So he ends up in jail. Then he is so successful in jail. And then he becomes Pharaoh's secondhand man, but then he encounters his brothers. again. So it was just like hit after hit after hit, but he just kept thriving because God kept blessing him and because he was obedient to God. But I love stories like that. And so going back to like talking about the importance of sadness, like I feel drawn to stories about suffering and overcoming suffering. And when I think about that, I'm like, I don't know why, because my life is, I lead a very privileged life. Like my life is not that hard, especially compared to other people's. And I'm aware of that. But at the same time, I have experienced sadness. I have experienced trauma to some degree. And so I don't know. I think like there's just something about that that resonates with my heart. So, well, and it's really, it's not fair for you to compare your life. Like, yes, there are people's lives that I'm sure are a hundred times worse than yours, but you only know what you experience. Mm -hmm. So you can't just be like, eh, my sadness doesn't mean much because there are people that are homeless or there are people that are going through this. Like your sadness is your sadness, you know? Yes, I'm learning this. I'm really glad you said that because I think I minimize my suffering because I'm like, oh, I even hate to call it suffering. No. Okay. Even if you do see the world is in shambles around you, Mm -hmm. all you can really pull from is your own experience. I really appreciate that. Whenever I was helping lead worship for the high school band when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. one of our youth pastors kind of told us a story about somebody who led at a different church and basically said, you know, she was about to go up for worship and told the main worship pastor, like, I don't think I can do it today. I'm feeling super broken. I feel like, I just don't feel like I can lead people. Yeah. And he basically was like, you can absolutely lead people because there are people out there that feel just as broken and feel like they have to cover it up because they're within the church walls Yeah, and feel like they can't. And that's an unfortunate situation a lot of people are in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he was like, you just go up there and you lead where you are and you lead how you are. Mm-hmm. And some people not, might not respond well to it, but that's not your job because your job is to lead them in worshiping the Lord. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's up to them how they respond to those things. And you might just speak life into these people because of the brokenness you're going through. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting point too, sort of thinking about like, I do think the church is moving as a whole towards valuing vulnerability more and Mm -hmm. promoting it, which is so refreshing. At the same time, I feel like there's like an acceptable vulnerability Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, you can be vulnerable about these things or you can be vulnerable as long as you're somewhat vague about what exactly is going on. No details. (laughs) No specifics. You know, and, and so a lot of times I find myself thinking, I'm being really vulnerable right now, vulnerable right now. And I'm like, but am I really? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's just a very, like, complicated thing. So I'm, I'm glad the church is moving towards vulnerability. But I think vulnerability itself is just such a complicated thing. 
And it, well, because vulnerability to you and vulnerability to me, I hate that word now that I've said it three times in one Vulnerability. Yeah. Like it almost doesn't sound like a word anymore. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But, you know, when you're looking at it from that perspective, it looks different to everybody. And some people are just naturally more open. Like I consider myself a pretty open person. Mm -hmm. You ask me a question, I will answer it. With yeah. all the brutal honesty that I have. Right. But some people just aren't like that. Yeah. And their vulnerability is just letting a tear fall from their eye. Mm-hmm. And that was already a lot for them. Right. You know? So, yeah. but it's also like, I feel like it's our job as Christians to just meet people where they are versus expecting them to show up to church and be where I am. Yeah. Just because they are in the same location as me. Mm-hmm. Like you have to meet them where they are emotionally and spiritually. And not change because of that, but just be like, hey, I've been where you are. It's okay for you to be in this place. Mm-hmm. And I want to help you through that by just being at your level right. for a second. I think there's so much wisdom to that. A lot of times I feel like I sort of unconsciously view vulnerability as, as a transaction where it's like, hey, I'll share a little bit with you if you'll share a little bit with me. And, and, and look how relatable I'm being. So now you can be relatable with me, right? And so mm-hmm. it's it's sort of, yeah, I view it as this transaction. Um, and I can see that yeah. to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. But it, it all goes back to the whole intention thing. Exactly. Right. That's what like half my life goes back to. Like, what am I, what, what are, are my heart motives you here? You know how like dads are like, what are your intentions with yeah. my daughter? <laughs> like, that's how I ask for <laughs> what, free decision. What are my home? intentions? Yeah. I feel like I have a hard time figuring out my intentions sometimes. That's the cave. I'm like, oh, I think these are my intentions, but I got to go down in the tunnels to really find out, you know? Yeah. But that's okay. To dive into. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Um, If you could go back in time and tell your younger self something about relationships or maybe just life in general, what would you tell her? Slow down and see people. Hmm. I'm very fast paced and I want to succeed at everything. And I wouldn't change anything about my life per se. Sure. But I do wish that I would have allowed myself to learn a little bit more from people by just slowing down and talking to them mm. versus being like, hey, you're not going to get me where I want to go. Yeah. I don't really need to spend that much time with you because I think I could have learned a lot of the things that I know now much quicker had mm. I just done that. Yeah. I'm trying to think what I would tell myself. I What keeps coming to mind, and I, I don't really like the way that this is phrased because I feel like it's it sounds very cliche. Um. But I, I wish that in certain seasons of my life, I had put God first, you know, like that was always my heart. And I always knew that that's what needed to happen was put God first, put God first. But there were definitely times where I put other people and relationships first, um, instead of God. And I suffered for that. And I think I've seen that I have a tendency to spiral into like obsessiveness when I'm not relying on God. And like you said, I don't regret anything. I know that my past has taught me a lot, but 
when I look back on the times when I wasn't putting God first, it is kind of like, man, I learned something, but what a waste of time, you know? Oh yeah. So that's understandable. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, I think it gives you better perspective going forward. Like when you start feeling like you're spiraling, just being like, okay, what would I have told myself when this happened three years ago? Mm -hmm. And it was to put God first. Okay. Well, how can I do that in this situation? And how can I honor him? through this also spiraling and going into my black hole with all the crawly yeah things the tunnels. monsters this is the metaphor that will like continue with me for the rest <laughs> of this year and possibly my life the tunnel it's a good one thank you it's a very good one it very accurately illustrates how i feel about pain and sadness so does my cup so it's fine. yeah you have your cup i have my tunnel cave thing <laughs> i like it thank you okay is there anything else that you want to talk about from our conversation? Mm -hmm. You know what I want to know kind of like what you took out of it and what questions you have going forward or what questions you're going to ask yourself mm -hmm. moving forward because of our conversation. I think our conversation ended up being a lot more about pain and sadness than I expected. I, I think, and I've come to this conclusion that this conversation just reinforced it of knowing that there aren't really any concrete answers when it comes to pain and sadness. Um, and that's okay. And my tendency is, well, I want closure. I want answers. I want to fix things, but just being able to sort of sit with the untied things and be okay with the unknown and the uncertain and just let it be and know like it can, it can just exist and it does not have to be solved and fixed. Um, and so I think just kind of talking through pain and sadness with you reminded me of that and reminded me to just let go of trying to control and fix things. So, yay. Thank you. Well, that makes me happy. Yeah. What about you? What did you get out of our conversation? That's a great question, by the way. I love talking about dark and twisty things. Mm -hmm. I really do. And yeah. it's so strange to other people, but it really, like, it's very empowering to me. Um, to kind of just be like, you know what? I went through some crap and that's okay. Yeah. And it's nice every once in a while to use that as a powerful conversation versus just a, this is a negative part of my life that yeah. I have to deal with mm -hmm. because ultimately my brain is just dark and twisty, mm -hmm. um, with the depression and anxiety. Like that's just kind of what I lean towards most of the time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times from other people's perspectives, because I, I do close myself off sometimes and I do put myself in that little tunnel. Um, so it's nice to talk about it in an empowering, empowering light versus a, I need to get out of it. Light. Mm, yeah. So it was refreshing. Yeah. That you were able to use that to encourage me in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. And whoever else is listening. And whoever else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, do you want to do a lightning round or are you not really feeling sure, that? Sure, go for it. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Sourdough or wheat? Sourdough. Are lifeguards attractive? Uh, in movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, big dogs or small dogs? Big dogs. Are women complicated? Absolutely. <laughs> in the best ways. Uh, are rats cute? Yes. I used to have two of them. Oh, really? I yeah, didn't know that about cutest. you. What were Paris and friend. Paris? Paris, like uh -huh. this 
yeah. Luke City. <laughs> and friend, because my brother named him and he was like three. He was like, he's my friend. So that's, that's so that's cute. <laughs> my friend had a rat named Sophie. She was really cute. I, I yeah. love rats. Yeah. And now I'm in a pest control industry, which is a whole different turn of events. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All right. Well, Katie, thank you for hanging out with us. Thanks for having me. And eating a Cheerio with me. Yes. <laughs> you made delicious dinner too. That's... Don't sell yourself so short. Thank you. Well, we're glad that... Alfie, I just need a moment. We're <laughs> glad that you were able to hang out with us. <laughs> well, I was happy to be here. Yeah. I hope I get more chances to do things like this. This is super fun. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us today. I hope you have a seriously great week and we will see you guys next time.